0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. My message to the funds involved and all the firms involved in managing those funds, you've got three days left now, you've got to get this done. Um, Because again, part of the essence of a financial stability intervention is that it is clearly temporary.
1: Uh, good morning. Sterling seesawing after a report the Bank of England is preparing now potentially to extend its emergency bond-buying programme despite the governor, Andrew Bailey's, ultimatum to markets. The IMF's chief economist tells CNBC UK policy is conflicted.
2: We're banks all going to be tightening. It's very important that fiscal policy doesn't go in the opposite direction. It would be like having, you know, two people in a car, each of them with a steering wheel and trying to steer the car in a different directions. Cannot work.
1: The International Monetary Fund is slashing its global outlook and warning the world is on the brink of a painful recession. The group's director of monetary and capital markets says financial stability is at risk. What central banks try to achieve is the orderly tightening of financial conditions. And at the moment, what we're seeing are pockets of dysfunction. And that is very concerning for central banks.
3: Chinese authorities ramp up COVID testing days ahead of the Communist Party Congress. While the IIF's Tim Adams tells CNBC he's concerned about Beijing's growth prospects.
4: So I'm becoming a bit bearish on China in the near term. They have the tools and the capacity to stimulate growth. But I just see that COVID policy and the current policy regime will keep growth pretty slow for the foreseeable future.
3: And LVMH toasts a third quarter sales beat as the luxury giant sees a boost from the stronger dollar, with American tourists splashing out in European stores.
1: Good morning, Karen. How are you?
3: Good morning. Well, thank you.
1: Yeah, good. Do you understand what's going on? Uh, it's uh, wild in the backdrop. I think it is. I think it's very confusing. And I think one minute we hear one thing from the central bank, but then there's an implicit uh, undertone of something else as well. That They're backing enormously this gilt market as well. Uh, but then they haven't needed to back the guilt market enormously. There are LDI funds and pension funds who apparently have to sell gilts, but they haven't sold guilt. So I think it's very, very confusing.
3: It reminds me of over-the-counter medicine. I mean, in times of crisis, we often talk about the medicine, but there is a warning label that you only use this particular medicine for a short period of time. And if there are ongoing problems, then go back and see your GP. And that's what we've got here. Mm. The measures that have been rolled out by the Central Bank, by the Bank of England, have been enough to provide some level of calm, some level of comfort, but the underlying issues remain to be tackled at well, this point.
1: The problem point. is, does the G, uh, GP, the general practitioner, your MD, your doctor, does he actually know or she know exactly what the problem is?
3: I believe so, and the problem is the mini-budget this time, isn't it? We've lost is credibility it? Is it? in financial markets.
1: Sorry, I, I I got accused on Twitter of interrupting you no, yesterday. No, 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 you I probably did interrupt <laughs> you, but I blocked them anyway because I can't be bothered. Um, carry on. Oh,
3: the, the underlying point that triggered the crisis on markets was the mini budget, the lack of credibility that you had, all these unfunded measures that effectively are not costed, and the only way to pay for it is to raise debt on markets. And I think this is the underlying issue still. We've got market credibility that's been tested has been tested in various quarters of the uk financial markets it just so happens to be guilt if you tackle the underlying then surely you start to get more stability back into various areas of the uk market it's a
1: good point so let's get into the story a bit more detail sterling is recouping some of its overnight losses following a report the bank of england is ready to extend its emergency bond-buying program. This according to the Financial Times. It says BOE officials have told several bankers they are monitoring whether pension funds successfully raise enough liquidity to meet margin calls amid a sweeping sell-off in the gilt market. It comes after Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey told the UK's pension fund they have three days to rebalance their positions, after which the BOE will end its emergency gilt-buying program. Speaking at an IIF event in Washington, that's Tim Adams, you can see on the screen, not Andrew, that's Andrew Bailey, yes, absolutely. Um, well, it uh, said the BOE was uh, fulfilling its financial stability mandate through the emergency intervention, but stressed any such measures must be
0: temporary. Central banks have two core two right. purposes, monetary policy, financial stability. And we have to have the ability to intervene in both areas. Now, if you go back to the Dash for Cash, March 2020 for a moment, I mean, we, we had the same issue, if you like, but the two things were running exactly sort of in parallel, so that the, the big interventions we and other central banks made at that point were perfectly consistent. You, you, we were doing QE. We were doing it initially for financial stability reasons, but then it, you know, it very quickly also was clear that we had to do it for monetary policy reasons. That's not the case now. We've got the two things going in opposite directions, if you like. We were going to start tightening we were selling our guilds. We are raising interest rates at the same time as we had to decide to buy, or to offer to buy an auction skills, for financial stability reasons. And you know, my clear, we must be able to do this, because otherwise we we have to conclude that we can't fulfill one of our mandates adequately. A lot of people are saying, we've announced that we will be out by the end of this week. We think the rebalancing must be done. And my message to the funds involved and all the firms involved in managing those funds, you've got three days left now, you've got to get this done. because, again, part of the essence, I think, of a financial stability intervention is that it is clearly right. temporary.
1: Right. If- We've got time for a little chat here on this one. Let's have a chat before we get to the, the fiscal position. Karen's already alluded to the fiscal. So, look, we're 1 and 10 here. The pound is oscillating, no doubt about it. Okay. And We were having, a, I thought, almost a nonsensical debate before the show between me, you, <laughs> Katie, Mike, the whole team, yes. about whether it was wild or not. I don't think that was the point. I think it is oscillating. And it is also oscillating on the merits of what's going on in the UK, but what's going on globally as well. It's mm. responding to what's going on in global bond markets and global pressure. So I had a quick look at sterling uh, so far this year beforehand, and it is down versus the dollar worse than the euro. But it has actually followed a very similar trajectory. There is no doubt about it. There is an extra factor. Uh, on the moves we're seeing in the pound And, and as you can see there look it's diverged a little bit but it was actually in lockstep right up until about a month or so ago so look no one is negating that the pound is moving aggressively a bit more than the euro but it is also moving in lockstep with other currencies we also put on the, um, the Kroner and another chart we showed earlier the, uh, this couple of weeks ago, and it was moving in similar moves. Now, look, so I just want to go back, if I can, briefly to what Andrew Bailey just said. There, He said, you've got three days to sort this out. Unless he's foolish, and I don't believe he is foolish, he would not have told the market there is a cliff edge coming if he didn't think the cliff edge could be averted. So publicly saying the backstop's gone, publicly saying you've got three days to sort this out as well he is creating a cliff edge if there is a problem for the pension funds now unless as i say he's a foolish man and i don't believe he is at this moment in time then he clearly believes the pension funds will not have that cliff edge and create a guilt event as well This, this Just one or two other little points briefly as well. This bond buying operation that was announced on the 28th of September, and you quite rightly at the time identified the 13th as the the cliff edge potentially. Mm. Well, during that period, the Bank of England has potentially been able to buy 65 billion pounds worth of gilts. The Bank of England has only bought 8.8 billion pounds worth of gilts now there is a lot to talk about the structure of their purchasing operation the window each day that it happens uh, and why or why not pension funds may or may not be selling their gilts into this as well Mm. but the fact of the matter is it is very clear despite the extension to index link gilts which was announced at the start of this week as well that the potential to buy has not been matched by the driven necessity to sell by the pension funds and financial institutions as well. So clearly, the operation has acted as a backstop but hasn't been needed. But interestingly, the bond yield has picked up at the same time as well. Again, part of a global phenomenon as well, one that has taken the US ten-year to 3.94. It's taken other uh, bonds up as well. So couple of things going on here. One, are the pension funds actually desperate to sell? And I'll use LGEN as an example. Legal in General, one of the biggest pension funds in the United Kingdom, uh, which has seen a dramatic sell-off in its share price. Now, I'm not gonna comment on whether that's good, bad, ugly, necessary, or what have you, but it's sold off quite aggressively in its share price. LGEN has said it has no balance sheet exposure to LDI as well. So that's one of the biggest insurers out there saying, we do not need to sell secondly the backstop hasn't been used in its fall and thirdly as i say the point is andrew bailey is saying you've got a cliff edge you've got to sort it out by this day he wouldn't create that cliff edge i don't think unless he thought that the problem perhaps was being averted
3: yeah a couple of points around this cliff edge i mean why not buy yourself a little bit of extra time until the chancellor fleshes out his plans until the 31st of october so why not find just a little extension of time He has closed the door, but still there is a lifeline there for some of the pension funds. It's not through the bond buying, it's an access around some liquidity if required. So that continues from Monday. Uh, The other point here is around some of the pension funds is that, back to my original point, that you get stability back into the UK and hopefully through the Chancellor fleshing out his plans. But unfortunately now with some of these pension funds, you just can't unsee what you've seen. And the market knows that there's some form of stress there. And we know when the market uh, goes after something, it will challenge it. It will challenge it again. We'll keep on challenging that particular area until something is sorted out or something breaks and mm-hmm. someone comes to fix it. So I think the problem now is that Bailey's saying, saying, oh, you have to clean up your act. You have to get rid of some of that leverage effectively. Make sure your house is in order. And he's given them some time to do that. So I think that's quite important at this point. And just coming back to Sterling, I mean, we've had wilder moves than this at the height of some of the, the credibility issues. We plunged much deeper than this. So I yeah. think the intraday moves have been fascinating. You certainly or a bump on the back of bailey's comments here uh, but i think uh, we've got uh, very time limited moves from the central bank and that's important because credibility is at stake here and the bank is saying i've got these tools i can use the tools if he keeps on using the tools he doesn't have tools to use down the track hmm. and i think that is the point they, these tools need to remain sharp and very focused when they are intervening. something else in as well
1: uh, and all of the above and you're going to get to the fiscal stuff i believe in a few moments time but all of the above apart from one thing that we haven't mentioned And that is central banks globally, including the Bank of England, including the ECB, absolutely to this moment, the BOJ, and certainly the Fed as well, have bought an awful lot of bonds, as indeed have pension funds, Mm. at stunningly low yields. In fact, in Europe, they bought bonds at negative yields. In fact, I think at one point there was, I think, if I remember correctly, over $15 trillion worth of global government bonds that were trading at a negative yield. And everyone was hoovering them up when there was negative yields. Can we get the guilt yield up again, please? Thank you, what is it? There we go, that's, in fact, that's the great board. Let's keep on that one. 10-year paper in the United Kingdom is now 4.4%. French 10-year paper is circa 3%. US 10-year paper is circa 4%. And even the bunds, which are, I don't know, they get the victoladorum of cast iron safe bond market bets as well. You still get 2.3% for your money. So, right. if you are a pension fund or you are um, looking to pick up a yield, generally... well Now, I know that in the real world at the moment, inflation is higher. And that's why tomorrow's print is going to be so exciting and today's PPI and in the States and tomorrow's CPI. But the fact is, you are getting real-world yields which are, compared with the last decade and then some, stratospheric compared to what they were. We Aren't you, if you, you were one shift, of those institutions... <laughs> who now has to sell because of margin calls, won't next week you want him to be buying them once your margin calls are over because you suddenly have solid yields compared to anything you've seen in the last decade? Well, not it's even, real not income even, compared to what you got.
5: Not
3: even that far. I mean, if you look at bonds, real income since the start of this year when they were trading zero. So that to, sure. 2.6, so you're seeing saying 2.3 rather, so, is from zero. So 230 basis points move in uh, less than 12 months
1: you're right so what i totally understand is if you have margin calls and you have to realize cash you are selling assets i mean in the case of some of these ldi strategies there are protestations out there It could be hundreds of billions of pounds worth but if you are trying to actually pick up some form of yield for your investors over a longer term period and you believe potentially that inflation will peak at some stage in the next six months maybe it's a very interesting Position and timing to start picking up some of these. So you know you've got to sell today because of your hedge exposure, but actually, I I mean if I was personal investor again I don't get involved in what I do personally and what I don't do. Suddenly from something that was had a a zero percent yield or a one percent yield, you're getting four point four percent. But again, the, the, the X factor there, I'm afraid, is supply as well. And that's the problem with the fiscal position.
3: Can I just take this right to the end of the road? What about these pension funds? We know that they're suffering some losses. They've been a very difficult period of time. we yet to see any uh, fessing up of what the implications are for the end customer. We know the end customer is the pensioner who takes uh, um, that money at the end of the day. do you know what?
1: Long before we talked about the great financial crisis, there was a conversation around this desk many times about something that no one ever talks about. And that's the pension black holes. Yeah. Nobody mm-hmm. in the Western world, with notable exceptions, appeared to be saving enough. And it's still a pensions time bomb ticking away. It has been for this entire century. We used
3: to talk about it through the lens of BT most often, didn't we? About the big... Uh, yes, with their triennial reviews had? and right. all that.
1: Absolutely, we did.
3: But, uh, big question, I think, for another day at some point. But this circling back to some of the concerns around the UK, as the IMF says... The UK will have the highest rate of inflation in the G7 by the end of next year, warning tax cuts will force the Bank of England to raise rates to stem price pressures. Growth is forecast to slow to 3.6% this year from 7.4% in 2021 before slumping to 0.3% in 2023. UK Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng defended the government's economic strategy in a heated debate with lawmakers.
0: The IMF said today that actually the the plan, the mini budget, has increased uh, the the forecast for growth. That's exactly, that's exactly, that's precisely the opposite of what the Honourable Lady has said. And it's very clear where we stand on this. We've got pro-growth, pro-enterprise, pro-business, conservatives on one side, and the anti-growth coalition on the other side, who want to tax more and want to uh, commit us to low growth.
3: Jeff spoke to IMF Chief Economist Pierre-Oliver Gorinches and asked him how worried he is about policy mistakes as central banks respond to surging inflation.
2: We have to think about central banks as having multiple objectives. So price stability is one, and that's certainly what they are trying to do. If you think about the Federal Reserve, increase the policy rates, tighten monetary policy to try to address these price pressures. They also have to look at the financial system and the stability of the financial system. And if there are some pockets of instability that that emerge, then they can also deploy other tools to deal with that. So standing facilities, repo instruments, to try to address these sort of pockets of illiquidity. This is what we've seen the Bank of England doing in the last two weeks. Some pressures emerged in terms of the gilt market, and the Bank of England came in and said, well, we're going to come into that market, we're going to purchase, we're going to put in place a facility. So it's this difficult act that central banks are going to, have to navigate because on the one hand, they need to tighten policy to address inflation pressures. The financial system has lived for many, many years with this very, very low interest rate. So it's not used to the change and it has to adapt. And you know things are going to creak and things are going to be under stress. And the central banks as financial stability guarantors are going to have to come in and make sure that things don't break.
6: Was this a self-inflicted injury by the British government and the Chancellor's uh, budget with unfunded liabilities? Or are we discovering that actually a lot of the financial economy is in a precarious position because we had low interest rates for too long and actually there are pockets of risk now in the shadow
2: banking sector? Well, one of the key drivers here, and that's a message that we've been conveying, Is in that phase where central banks are going to be tightening. It's very important that fiscal policy doesn't go in the opposite direction. It would be like having, you know, two people in a car, each of them with a steering wheel and trying to steer the car in a different direction. Cannot work. So central banks really need to sort of bring inflation under control. It's absolutely essential. It's a bedrock for macroeconomic and financial stability going forward. And so what was announced in the case of the UK, but not just the UK sometimes, you know, is, is, is a, a program that was very expansionary. So that was directly contradicting the objective of monetary policy. So market reacted to that with uh, you know, some nervousness and then that nervousness generated some liquidity in some, some parts of the market, the pension funds in particular. So clearly. The overall message here is let's make sure that we have fiscal policies that is very important. You know, there is an energy crisis. There is a need to provide relief and support to households, vulnerable households. Let's try to do this in a way that is consistent with what central banks are trying to accomplish.
6: Has has the UK just become a poster child for economic illiteracy as far as the fund is concerned?
2: No, oh, certainly not. But I think, I think that what we've seen is, you know, we've welcomed the, the recent developments, the fact that uh, the government has announced a fiscal event at the end of the month, that OBR is going to be involved in evaluating the proposals. So I think all of this is going in the direction of, you know, let's have let's do a 360 on the fiscal plans and let's make sure that we're all pulling in the same direction. It's,
1: it's like, I, I know you've got to move on. That right. was great.
2: Oh, Jeff's question there. Wasn't <laughs> leading the
1: witness at all, was it? Has the UK become a poster child for economic illiteracy? Right. What a great question.
3: It was tough to we be. We miss sure. him. We do. Hopefully he'll be back soon.
1: I think I'm speaking to him tomorrow.
3: Right. About IMF stuff. Oh, okay. He's no. got, got
1: some brilliant break ins tomorrow afternoon. Wonderful. From Jeff's interviews. Well let's
3: just bring you the latest that just been up to the IMF Monetary and Capital Markets director Tobias Adrian backed the BOE after his second guilt market intervention in as many days.
1: I think that what they did was right. Uh, so they did a temporary and targeted measure, i.e. it is expected to expire at some point. And um, so it is not changing the overall stance of monetary policy because inflation is a problem and uh, inflation has come back to target. So I would say they're trying to do uh, what is necessary to contain the dysfunction in the guild market Uh, while staying the course in terms of monetary policy. Yeah, Interesting. All these interviews are very good, aren't they? Uh, Meanwhile, the IIF president and CEO, that's Tim Adams, a very interesting man always, told CNBC financial markets will continue to see some instability as central banks hike rates, but the problems will likely not
4: become entrenched. I'm an optimist in that standpoint. It's hard for me to see systemic uh, 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 problems, but I do think we'll see a lot of little bubbles pop, and, you know, who knows. But I think uh, central banks are working through it. I think that they're trying to modulate the pace of hikes, and they'll watch the financial stability. We heard today from the governor, a uh, dual mandate. He's got to deal with uh, inflationary pressures that are acute in the U.K., but he also has to address financial stability concerns as well, which you just mentioned. Is there an element
6: of complacency, do you think, about the language that the central bankers are using at the moment? We've moved incredibly quickly um, and we've already seen some issues and, uh, with dysfunction and liquidity in some markets. Um, should we not be concerned here that we may get a redux of 2000 or 97 or, or one of these, or 2008 even?
4: No, no, I'm not worried about 2008. I do think there's a huge uh, catch-up that's going on. I think central bankers probably waited too long for some very valid reasons, and now they're playing catch-up. They have to restore their credibility, and I think they will. But in that process, we see historic uh, size and speed of hikes, and that's just going to push you know, some weak parts of the system out. There are zombie companies which are, probably shouldn't be in business, but it's not a surprise. We knew uh, eventually zero rates and the excessive liquidity of the last several years is going to dissipate, and we're going back to a new normal. And with that new normal, a very different set of uh, circumstances.
6: As you look at the risks in the non-bank financial sector, do you see anything in particular that raises your concerns?
4: Well, housing is an issue just because we see in the U.S., for example, mortgage rates rise so quickly uh, and prices were pretty elevated, but there is a structural uh, lack of supply in the U.S. There's enormous demand for housing, and I suspect that housing uh, will continue to do okay even with higher rates, but I do worry about the real estate market in the U.S.
3: Coming up on the show, the IMF warns the worst is yet to come, as it says a third of the global economy will contract in 2023. We'll have more after the break.
1: And for more on policymakers' predictions for the UK as well as the global economy, check out the Squawk Box podcast.
3: the imf has downgraded its outlook for the financial sector warning that the balance of risks is significantly skewed to the downside in its global stability report the fund urged central banks to continue to fight inflation and to normalize policy the imf estimates that global inflation will peak at 8.8 percent this year before easing to six and a half percent next year Chief economist Pierre Oliver Garinches warned 2023 would be the darkest hour in its World Economic Outlook report. The fund predicts that one third of the global economy will contract next year, with total growth expected to slow to 3.2 uh, percent.
1: China has stepped up COVID testing for COVID-19 uh, as local cases continue to rise. Authorities reported over 2,000 daily new infections, the highest increase since August. Some cities have closed schools and entertainment venues to help curb the spread. It's, it's, anyway, we can't talk now. We've got, we've got Charlotte waiting, so I better carry on. Uh, the IIF president and CEO, Tim Adams. Um, I think your foot's on the pedal there, someone. They've just reversed it, so I'll just carry on. <laughs> Which one of you did that? Not me. Charlotte, morning. How are you?
5: Hello. You're going to kick me out of the set already. <laughs> Do
1: you know, we had Sylvie Vardvar, the, the great Sylvie Vardvar, who, as our viewers will know, is one of the great correspondents of CNBC. And she was a brilliant reporter, brilliant mm. Bundesbank watcher, brilliant ECB watcher. But we had her sitting roughly where you are. Right. Uh, for oh, a right show. Set, yes. um, okay. I'm going back to like 2007, 2008. And she sat there and the whole time she was there for three hours, she sat on set. Our prompt just went like this and went mad, and it she, went backwards like that. She, was resting her she foot had on no the, uh, idea that her foot pedal. was on the pedal the whole <laughs> show. Sylvia, if you're watching, good morning to you. Love you dearly. Uh, right, you're all off? I'll carry on. The IIF president and CEO, Tim Adams, told Jeff he's less optimistic on China going forward.
4: They will experience the slowest growth since 1976, the year that Mao died. Uh, I think that's a surprise. Everyone's been writing down their China forecast, not only for this year, but for next year as well. The zero COVID policy, which is still in place, we've seen the headlines today, is having a really negative effect on growth. It doesn't appear that that's going away anytime soon. So I'm becoming a bit bearish on China in the near term. They have the tools and the capacity to stimulate growth, but I just see that the COVID policy and the current policy regime will keep growth pretty slow for the foreseeable future.
3: LVMH has reported better than expected third quarter sales up 19% based on strong demand for fashion and leather goods. And as Americans took advantage of the stronger dollar. Well, Charlotte, as you've seen, has joined us around the set. Uh, Charlotte, uh, there Is that was a time. Near the pedal? <laughs> I hope foot did not near the pedal. There was a time when we used to talk about China and the huge impact it was having on luxury. Now, as you read through a lot of the reports, we're often talking about the United States, Europe, and even in this report card from Melanie Mates, it's Japan. It is not so much Asia. Just tell us what's going on.
5: No, absolutely. And that's what's really interesting. People were watching whether we could see the impact of the lockdowns that we see seen in China impact the business at LVMH. And it is not the case now. Looking at uh, the business, again, sales up 19% in uh, Q3 to 19.8 billion euros. So that's beating expectations, as you say, um, sales in the U.S. up 19%. But the, the number is very interesting is Europe up 36%. And they say they see a lot of these American tourists coming to Europe and splashing the cash because of the strong dollar they are seeing that they're buying a little bit less in the US and they are buying more in Europe and we see this very much and you see it in the actually in Paris as well just walking around you hear a lot of American tourists and that's despite uh, of course this the, the slower sales in Asia where the sales are up just 6% and looking at different divisions everything is up in double digits fashion leather that makes about half of of the sales at Louis Vuitton still very successful for Louis Vuitton bags and Dior there the sales up 22% in Q3 watches and jewellery Tiffany a little bit of a slowdown uh, at Tiffany as I said but still growing in double digits Uh, selective retailing a little bit of a catch up at Sephora travel coming back as well that's helping DFS though still impacted by the lockdowns in China and talking about Sephora selective retailing they've reopened the online Sephora in the UK and they're testing the water on whether to reopen the actual feeds shops uh, there. So they're looking at all this. So uh, again, LVMH benefiting from the mix of products and regions that they have. Uh, and they say the cost of living crisis as of now is not having an impact. The CFO was asked about this uh, during the conference. And look, we are on a potential pre-recession, but it hasn't materialised yet.
6: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.